Philippians chapter number two. Philippians in chapter number two, if you take your Bibles and turn there. Philippians chapter number two. <clears throat> for the third message of the night. Amen. One for Brother Chaz, one for Brother Smith. Appreciate that. Good to have Brother Andy and Miss Shree Folger here and their two children and a young man also from uh, Indianapolis from Lighthouse Baptist Church. Good to have you all here. It's a blessing and uh, thankful for that. Good to have Brother Dick Webster and Miss Karen here. They've been here a couple of weeks now and uh, Arius, you're glad about that. As well as other guests. I look around and see some here uh, that have been here before, but you're back. We're sure glad, glad about that. It's a blessing. We've been in a study of the book of Philippians, Paul's letter there, often known for joy, and it certainly is um, an emphasis, but really it's a Christ-centered book. That's the main thing. And, and having joy is a result or a product of being Christ-centered. So the focus is not necessarily on joy, but our, our theme is uh, countered by joy, but that's by being focused on Christ. So let's look at it a little bit more. In fact, I was excited about how that the message that Brother Chaz preached already is going to just really match up nicely with where we are in our consideration here of this book to the Philippians. So chapter 2 and uh, verse number 19 is going to begin our text. Uh, but I, I would like to start in verse number uh, 13. So 2, 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, do all things without murmurings and disputings. That's what we really covered the last time that we were in the book. And we made reference to verse 15 and following, but didn't really deal as much with that. So we'll reference that slightly uh, tonight on our way to verse 19. It says that you may be blameless and harmless the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom, notice that, among whom, you shine as lights in, in the world, holding forth the word of life that ye, I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause, also do ye joy and rejoice with me. In other words, we are certainly in this together. Now, notice what he says in verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I may also be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. That's quite a statement that Paul makes there. We'll consider that in just a moment. I have no man like-minded. So this really does tie all the way back into the first part of chapter 2 about the church needing to be like-minded. I don't think that Paul is just simply giving his travel plans. I don't think that's all that's going on here. I think he's giving Timotheus or Timothy, as we often know him, as an example of what he's been talking about, that being have the mind of Christ. All right. So he says, I have no man like minded. Verse 21 now. Notice this. For all seek their own. Not the things which are Jesus Christ. For all seek their own not the things which are Jesus 
Christ. But you know the proof of him, talking about Timotheus, you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So Paul was anticipating his release from the Roman imprisonment that he might be able to go to Philippi. Now, actually, verse 25 begins a discussion about Epaphroditus. And Epaphroditus would be the one that would carry the letter. So the letter would be carried, the letter that we have here tonight, would be carried by Epaphroditus. And then later after the trial, the hearing, then Timothy would come and see how they're doing and then give Paul word and then Paul would come. So that's, that's the chronological side of that. All right, here's the title tonight. Seeking Christ in a self-seeking society. Seeking Christ in a self-seeking society. To reference Brother Chaz's message uh, from the Word of God tonight, I believe Timothy had an eternal focus, don't you? And he viewed his purpose, right? And Paul's commending him on that. So here's a question I'd like to ask you tonight. Whose concerns come first in your life? Whose concerns come first in your life? I'll tell you where I was and get ready for this message here tonight. I was um, sensing that as a church, we're getting close to our anniversary Sunday, the very first of November, Celebration Sunday, celebrating, by the grace of God, 70 years as Southwest Baptist Church. It's exciting. I was also thinking about Friend Day. So I was thinking about our church family and the unity that we need, and I was thinking about evangelism. So I wanted to preach on unity and on evangelism. And so then I began to study Philippians chapter two, and it's about evangelism and it's about unity. So it's just right where we are. So I'm excited about that. I trust God will bless. You may be seated as we consider this important passage, this important message from Paul then and to us even now through God's word. The first uh, Bible Baptist Church of Philippi was planning their celebration Sunday and moving ahead and their friend day the following Sunday, don't you know? It's totally hypothetical in case you're wondering if that's in the Bible, it's not. It was their 10th anniversary and they were excited about that. They were going to have a testimony from Lydia. They're going to have a testimony from the former slave girl that was demon-possessed, but now she was free, and then they were going to hear about the jail ministry from the Philippian jailer. Amen? Right there. Right. They had projects that they wanted to complete and things that they wanted to do as a church, and, and then their friend day was historically excited. I mean, they generally saw people saved and come that, that uh, hadn't been in church, and they saw uh, people join the church. It was just an exciting time, but there's just a couple issues. One was infighting. How could they have a friend day if they were not all friends? That's a good question. And how could they have a friend day and even anything to celebrate if their minds were completely on themselves? Now, I don't know if that sounds familiar to anything that's going on here. I mean, we are having a friend day and we are having a, a celebration Sunday and moving ahead. I don't know of any infighting and I just soon not know of any infighting. But if there is any infighting, I'd rather it be taken care of by the Word of God. Um, I do know that we all struggle with this. We tend to think 
of ourselves. Way more than what we should. And so whose concerns come first in your life? One man said this about the church in Philippi, and this is where we'll get started here tonight. Before their testimony for Christ could ever be effective in the community where they lived, the Philippians needed to set some things straight in their own church. And listen, uh, folks, tonight, if we're ever going to have the impact in South Oklahoma City in this area that we ought to have, we've got to make sure that we're right with the Lord right here among ourselves and within a, as a church family. And so just looking back over some of the verses there in verse 15, he says that you might be blameless and harmless. That means that, uh, that they would be without fault or defect. Um, he had just said, you know, do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, it'd be a real shame if they were known more for their complaining and their fighting than they were for their, God, for the, their salvation and their unity in Christ. Sure would be a shame. And if they weren't uh, harmless or which means pure or innocent, and here they are known as the sons of God. That's what he said, sons of God without rebuke. In other words, they were the children of God. And, and so uh, they were brothers and sisters in Christ. And here we are tonight as Southwest Baptist Church. I realize we've got guests among us, but, but we are the sons and, and daughters of God, the children of God as members of this church. It'd be a shame for us to be known as a fighting family. The point being this, the world around us desperately needs to see what a Christian truly is. I notice that God has not called us to live out our faith in, in a community off to ourselves, isolated from the world. Rather, he says, in the midst of and among whom. That means that we don't live in a sterile society. We don't live in a pure society, and yet God expects us to live pure, holy lives in the midst of the world that we're living in. We're not, yeah, we're not isolationists. We're to live separated from the world, but that's in order to reach the world. I thought about it this way. What good would a doctor or a nurse be if they just stayed in school all year? If they never got out of their training? What if they never went into the doctor's office? What if they never did go into the operating room? What good would they do? No, they've got to come in contact with sick people. Hey, listen, folks, we've got to come in contact with lost people. We've got to come in contact with people that are sin sick. But when we do, just like a doctor or a nurse, as they do, they're going to suit up. They're going to make sure for the sake of the patient as well as for their own sake that they're being careful about that. Hey, listen, we've got to be careful about our interaction with the world around us. But the point being, we've got to have interaction with the world around us for the sake of evangelism. Now, it's no, it's no news here tonight that the world itself is progressing into deeper levels of depravity. Paul said this, that they, that they are crooked and perverse, uh, per, crooked and perverse nation. That's the, the world in which we continue to live today, where things are twisted, where people are dishonest, where morals are suited to fit people's desires. But here's what we have the opportunity to do as a church family. We get to hold forth the word of life. And that does not put us in a defensive mode, but actually that puts us in an offensive mode. By the way, when it talks about the, the church and how the gates of hell should not prevail against it, that's not us on the defense and how that we're going to hold, hold off the wrong that would come. Although we've got to take a posture such as that for the sake of doctrine and other things. But rather what Jesus is saying there, the gates of hell should not prevail, is that we're on the offense storming the gates. And so he's, say, he's saying we've got sure victory, but it's not because of us, but it's rather this because of the word. Yeah. 
We're holding forth the word of life. In other words, it's the word that gives life. But to do that, again, the point being that Paul is making is as a church family to hold forth the word of life, we've got to be unified. And so basically he's saying, listen, you need to be unified as a church. You need to have unity as a church for the sake of evangelism and for the sake of edification, for the sake of evangelism and for the sake of edification. In fact, really everything we do as a church family is really for those two purposes, either to evangelize or to build one another up. Okay? To evangelize or to build one another up. Those two, two parts. And you really need to have part, both of them. You don't just have one of them. Just like you just don't have one wing to a plane, you have both wings to a plane. It's got to be evangelism and edification. Sometimes a church can get so focused on evangelism that they never do any discipleship and that's not going anywhere. Or they might get so focused on inward things and discipleship that they're not reaching out anymore. But I want to remind you of this tonight. As J. Oswald Sanders said, he said this, the church that does not evangelize will fossilize. We don't need to have the reputation of being a soul winning church. We need to be a soul winning church. Because non, listen to this, read this. This is, uh, I don't know who said this. It was just in a book of quotes, but he, they said this. A non-going, uh, sorry, a um, non-going church person will never be reached by a non-going church. He says, we're holding forth the word of life. And so Paul says, I, I'm concerned about you. And so I want to send Timothy to know your state. And so he says in verse 19, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you that I may be of good comfort. He, it, it mattered to him how the church was doing. And it ought to matter to us how the church at Southwest Baptist Church is doing. And to know the spiritual condition of the church is what Paul was talking about, your state. And he says this about Timothy, I have no, no one like-minded, no man rather like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy was a spiritually minded man. Now, what does Paul mean when he says he has no man like-minded? If, if you looked over at chapter four and verse number 21, he talks about some that are with him that greet them. So I, I don't think Paul is talking about men such as Luke, who was a travel companion and maybe others that were there with him um, because he's commending them, but maybe they weren't supposed to go there. But he's, he's perhaps saying about some of those that were there in Rome, which, by the way, we could be reminded of this in chapter one and verse 15 and 16. He says that there were some there who preached Christ of contention and envy seeking to add affliction to my bonds. If you remember that, it's been several weeks ago, uh, well, yeah, months ago now, but we were uh, considering that and how that um, lighthouses have lightning rods. Um, they draw light, Whoa, didn't we have some lightning last night in storms? Those of you that are new to Oklahoma, you got a good dose of it last night, I know for sure. But it, as a lighthouse is standing tall, it will naturally draw lightning and thus it does have a lightning rod. Well, Paul was a lighthouse and a lightning rod. Um, 
And Paul said this, there are pe people that were there evidently in Rome. They preached Christ, but they did it with the wrong motive. They sought personal gain. They sought personal benefit. In other words, listen, they were seeking their own. They were seeking their own. They weren't seeking Christ for the sake of Christ. They were seeking their own. So I believe what is, is coming into play here is Paul is saying, I have no one like-minded, no, no one, no, obviously no one knew them like Timothy did, but he's also saying selfishness has a way of creeping in even into the Lord's churches. Now, it's a shame when that happens there. And fortunately, it wasn't happening in Timothy's life. Um, Paul and Timothy met on his first journey. Most likely, that's when Timothy was, was saved. He had a godly mother, godly grandmother. I know many of you know the background there, but for the sake of maybe somebody that doesn't know Timothy, he lived in Lystra or Derby and, and um, he was well reported of and began to travel with Paul on the second missionary journey. And, and he was privileged to do so and he gained a servant's heart while doing so. He cared about others. You develop a care for others by being around other caring people. I noticed this about Timothy. In no way did he feel like he was competing with Paul. He was always helpful to Paul. In no way did Paul feel threatened by Timothy. They were, as Paul says, like-minded and he was caring for their state. It's interesting, the passage that Brother uh, Chaz mentioned in chapter 6 of Matthew, when he says, take no thought for your life, what you shall drink and what you shall put on and, and, and what you shall eat. Take no thought. The word thought there is the same word care here. And so there's the possibility that even as believers, we could get our focus, and this is where it really does tie together, that we could get our focus on the things here and, and thus we are seeking our own. Paul says, you don't need to be seeking your own, but rather seeking Christ. And if you seek Christ and you're not taking thought just about yourself, but you're seeking others, then what will happen then is God can use your life to be a help to others. Look at verse number 21. For all seek their own. All seek their own not the things which are Christ. Warren Wiersbe said, you're either going to live a 121 life or a 221 life. So look back at 121. I know many of you know this verse, but look at 121. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You're either going to live a life that's focused that way, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, or all seek their own. You got a choice. All seek their own. All seek their own what? Well, all seek their own and not the things which are Christ, okay? So all seek their own. Um, what would you put there? What would you understand there? All seek their own. Well, what, what were they seeking there? Some of them obviously were seeking gain. Some of them were seeking fame. Some of them were seeking comfort. Some of them were seeking ease. They were seeking their own interests. They were seeking their own comforts. And all seek their own, not the things, notice that again in verse 21, not the things which are whose? Christ. So Christ has, I'm sorry, Christ has concerns. Christ has 
interests. So some are seeking their own, but they're not seeking the concerns and those interests that are of Christ. So, but Paul says of Timothy, but you know the proof of him, he's already proven himself in this way. He is not seeking his own comfort. He's not seeking his own fame. He's not seeking his, his own gain. He's not, seeking, he's not seeking his own ease. He didn't do things just based on what was easy. Rather, he sought to do Christ's will. Here's why. Because Christ's concerns had become Timothy's concerns. And so whose concerns do you seek first? Let me ask you this tonight, church. We're headed to application here in just, just a moment. Are you so busy with your own concerns that you're not showing concern for others? Now, we understand God, God's going to take care of our concerns. He'll take care of the things that we need. But what we need to follow is the pattern of a Timothy. And I think that's why Paul is putting that here. Because Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul trusted Timothy to care for the church in Philippi because he put the concerns of the Lord Jesus Christ ahead of his own. I'm going to run that by you one more time. Timothy could be trusted because he put the concerns of Christ ahead of his own concerns. And so what we've got to do, if we're going to have the right kind of church life, the right kind of Christian life, is that we need to understand what's concerning to Christ and put his concerns ahead of our own concerns. Okay. So what are the Lord's concerns? Well, the Lord, in a nutshell here, the Lord is concerned about two groups of people. We really could narrow it down to that simple of a statement. The Lord is concerned about two groups of people. He's concerned about the lost and he's concerned about the saved. He's concerned about the lost and he's concerned about the saved. So that is the Lord's concerns. All right. Now, sometimes um, I think about this because I know that as a pastor, as a preacher, I've got concerns, I've got thoughts, I've got interests such as these. I would think about um, moving ahead and friend day and, and programs and the men's camp out and how that's going to go. And I would think about offerings and I would think about attendance and I would think about buildings and projects. And we just had a meeting this past week about what the moving ahead projects are going to be, what has been completed, what is, com is going to be completed. I, that's, that's a pastor's world. You know, understand and many of you are concerned about many of those exact same things. But I realize that there's times you come to church and you're not thinking about buildings and programs and offerings and attendance. And uh, here's what you may be thinking about your kid's ball game tomorrow night and what uh, deadline you have tomorrow. And, and uh, you might be thinking about wonder where we're going to eat after church tonight. And in that way, you share a lot of the pastor's concerns. I mean, that's, that's just common demand, right? In other words, I'm saying sometimes we can have differing concerns, but here's what all of us ought to do. Let's get concerned about what God's concerned about. And he's concerned about souls. And he's concerned about spiritual growth of believers. Okay, and so we focus on that and thus we have the opportunity to put his concerns ahead of ours. Now here's the problem with that. I'm naturally self-centered enough that I'm going to seek my own concerns. And so are you. 
self-centered enough that you're going to seek your own concerns. But what a great remedy to any church and any people that's having any kind of problems among themselves that God is giving here to get your mind off of yourself and to get your mind on to others. And to do this for a church, have you ever heard this church? I know many of you that have been around Southwest for a while, you probably know what I'm about to say. But for a church to keep the main thing, the main thing. What a great help that would be to any church. Well, that's only gonna happen if we keep God's concerns ahead of our own. Evangelism. Evangelism. I, I'm concerned that we could get so inwardly focused that we, re, we lose our evangelistic zeal. That could happen to any church anywhere, including this church. Um, the Bible says that, that they... Uh, in Acts chapter 5 and verse number 42, how that daily in the temple and in, in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. There was an ongoing outreach of the church. Uh, I want to remind you tonight that visitation pack, packets are out in the foyers and tracks are out in the foyers. In fact, we're, gonna, uh, we're looking into ordering a track that I used growing up and maybe many of you did as well. God's simple plan of salvation. God has used that, Brother Ray Williams uh, is here tonight. God used that track to lead him to Christ. God's simple plan of salvation. I want to exhort every Sunday school teacher, every worker here tonight. Listen, we need to be busy uh, out there reaching the people that come and following up on folks that come. God has blessed us with many guests week by week. And there are organized times, but, but I, I know this to be true too, that people are making visits all the time, all week. And I'm glad about that. Here's what we got to do though. We got to put God's concern ahead of our own because we could slack off. How about this? The Sunday school or the church that refuses to go is a goner. How do you rekindle the flames of evangelism? Maybe, maybe at one time you had a zeal for souls and you had a concern for people, but now it's just kind of waned. Has anybody ever been through some times like that? I think every one of us would go through some of those times. And what can happen is just our concerns become so prominent in our, in our eyes and we lose focus. I tell you, it did me good last night being at the Austin's house and to hear that Brother Mike Austin was 12 years old when when a man named Sam Davison pulled up in a bus and opened the door and asked him if he'd like to go to Sunday school and church. Talked to his mom and dad, Bill and, and Dolores Austin about coming to church and, and he and the whole family got saved. I'm telling you, friend, it still works. It was encouraging that way. Start a prayer list of people that you're concerned about and that you're trying to sign up for friend day or that you're trying to invite. Maybe it's your coworkers or your friends or, or your neighbors, people that God has put on your heart. But, but to do that, you got to put God's concerns ahead of your own. Edification. Can I say this to you tonight? You don't have to be a pastor to have a pastor's heart. You just got to care about people. How many times... As Brother Sam uh, in the years past encouraged us, hey, get around and say an encouraging word to one another. We still need to do that, obviously. 
Ask, you may say, well, what can I do to get involved? Ask your Sunday school teacher, hey, are there some contacts that I can make? If there's somebody that you could follow up on, either that has visited your class or they're an absentee, write somebody an encouraging card. Prepare a meal for a family. Contact somebody that's shut in. Ask a widow or a widower if there's something that you could do to be a help to them. How about this one? Get to church 15 minutes early. He said, man, I'm glad if I can get here two minutes before starting time, right? But make a point. Get here 15 minutes early for this purpose. I'm going to get around and greet one another. Sign up to be a greeter or work in the parking lot. Just look around here tonight for somebody that needs a friend. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, We've got to put other people's concerns ahead of our own. Because the way that we serve Christ is putting others ahead of us. That's it. Putting their interests ahead of our own interests. Have somebody over to your house. And I know many of you do that. But I just want to challenge us to keep doing that or to encourage others to get involved in ways. Take a family out to eat on Sunday night. It doesn't have to be... Um, you know, something real expensive, just get a sandwich or a soup and sandwich. Enjoy some time together. I was encouraged this past weekend to hear how that some of our young people had befriended some of the young people that maybe ride one of the buses and they befriended them. And, and I was just encouraged to hear that, how that this one individual, and I'm not going to mention them by name, but they were kind of quiet and didn't have a whole lot to say to anybody for a while. But then somebody was some... Some of the young men were befriending this individual, and next thing you know, he's talking his head off. What's happening right there? It's a group of young people that are putting their own, own concerns aside and engaging somebody else. Contact somebody you haven't seen in a while. I thought about it this way. Let's make it to where they have no excuse for being out at church except their own carnality. Does that make sense to anybody? Make it to where they have no excuse. Because carnal people will use that. They'll say, well, nobody contacted me there at the church. Well, let's contact them. And that way they have no excuse. Well, you say, well, that was kind of fleshly to say it that way. I didn't mean it fleshly. I'm just simply saying, let's contact people that are maybe in a bad way spiritually. Encourage them. Here's another thing you could do right there. Make a real effort to just simply do this. Engage in the weekly services. You know why that's important? Because your body language says a whole lot. It says, man, I'm thankful to get to be here. And then some guest that comes in here, they'll say, man, this church, they like church. Yeah, the way you were singing a moment ago, that would do it. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Whose concern is coming first in your life. Paul said, there's some I couldn't send because they're too concerned about their own things. Their focus is right here. But I know who I can send. I can send Timothy because he's concerned about others. He's concerned about others. For the sake of evangelism and for the sake of edification, 
Let's share our Lord's concern and, and take a, a prayer list and pray for your church family and take some friend day cards and take them to work and say, God, would you give me some people to sign up and help me out on visitation? Let's make the effort. God, would you help us to have the kind of friend day that you want us to have? And, and in the meantime, while we're working together, focusing on the Lord, allowing him to tune our hearts together, because listen, folks, we, we don't want to go into our celebration Sunday and moving ahead or a friend day without us personally being spiritually prepared. Let's stand together here tonight. Dear Father, I come to you tonight and it's easy to allow the temporal things of this world, temporal concerns and interests to come first ahead of your concerns. Lord, I thank you for reminding me of that here today. I thank you, dear God, for the message we heard earlier as you used the Chaz to speak to us about eternal things. And certainly Paul's concern for this church was eternal things. And so, God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, with our concerns, that they might be your concerns. Dear Lord, I know that a loving relationship with you will result in people caring about others. And so I pray, God, that you'd help us to get our minds off of ourselves and to get our minds and hearts on others. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Page 258 is the hymn that we're singing.